Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Uh, I just want to say thank you to my pastors, pa- Pastor Jordan, Pastor Morgan, for trusting me with the, the keys to the car today. Um, I will keep it on the straight and narrow and uh, not veer off, and hopefully I get invited back. Um, but thank you for, thank you for having me uh, today. I taught this message, a version of it, to our youth a couple Wednesdays ago, but I wanted to bring it into Sunday and teach it to um, our, my church family, to you guys. I wanted to teach it. But I want to start off with something fun real quick. Anyone in here have any pet peeves? Okay, yeah. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, I can respond to that. Yeah. She's sitting right next to me. Um, anybody have any pet peeves? All right. Let's look at a list of them. How about leaving the toilet seat up? So, so this is the one that I'm just like, do you look where you're sitting if it's that big of a deal? Or are you just walking there and plop down? Like, okay, so how about, <laughs> how about when a plane lands, people clap? Like, yes, good job, pilot. You didn't kill us. Like, I have heard it's like way safer to fly than it is to drive, actually. So um, what about that person on the plane that reclines their seat? Boy, get your seat up. I'm 6'4", and I got no room for you. What about loud chewing or slurping? Oh, yeah, that's a... It's like, hey, please close your mouth. I thought you learned that when you were five. How about when you... Oh, when someone's got leftovers and... See, I do this to my wife sometimes. And you eat the left... She's pointing at me. And you eat the leftovers. But if they sit there for longer than a day, it's like, hey, they're going to go bad. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you. Justified. Okay, moving on. Um, What about slow drivers? Hey, someone said safe drivers. Okay, all right. I'm not going to disagree. What about backseat drivers? Hey, there's a stop sign coming up. Or it's like this. You're sitting there. Light's red. Light's red. It's green. It's green. I'm like, yeah, I know. I saw it. I was looking at it with you. Thank you. And if you're wondering, is this all the pet peeves that AMZ and Jess have with each other? Well, not all, but... um, (laughs) How about when you're texting? See, I'm like, I'm very open. You could look at, I don't care what, if I'm texting someone, you can look at, but what about the person that like does this while you're texting? Like, what do you, like, what do you need to see? Like, text your own people. Like, you have friends too. What about talking during a movie? That's me. I talk during a movie. I'm always like, oh, what, oh, I wonder what that means. And the people look back at you like, I talk during a movie. What about like people tapping? People are like, would you please stop? Pet peeves. What about being late? Mm, I don't like that. I was late when the, in the Army one time to a formation of, of, of soldiers, 80 guys, my first sergeant out front. I had some guys come down from Carmel, Indiana. They stayed night at my house. There was a storm that night. It's when people used alarm clocks, not their phones to wake up. Power went out, reset our alarm clocks. My buddy's girlfriend called him in the morning. Hey, you almost at training? And he's like, oh. so we jumped in the car. We're flying. We're already like five minutes late. I don't know how we made up the difference, but we got there like almost on time and we ran in and you hear the the door and we go running in and we hear drop. We get down, we're doing push-ups in front of 80 guys and they're all kind of like looking back. It's like, so ever since then I was marked not to be late because I was highly embarrassed. So I don't like being late. Oh, how about this one? When someone says, they say, can we talk later? Does anybody like that? And you're like, 
uh, yeah, about what? Miss Debbie Cook, I'm going to pick on you for just a second. And it's the most loving way. One time, one time I was right over here by the door and she said, Brother Ramsey, may I please see you for a second? I'm like, <laughs> and she said, would you follow me? And she turns this way and I, I'm just walking and I'm like, I looked down and I saw like a muddy street and I looked up and there's an executioner in front of me. I'm just like, <laughs> and like, I, I was thinking, I'm like, God, what did I, what did I do? Like my life, I was like playing before my eyes. I'm like, no, I said, sorry there. I didn't do anything to her. I get there, I look at her and I'm like, how are you? And she says, I just want to let you know, I baked some enchiladas for you. And Michael Manning, because he and I lived in an apartment at the time, she goes, and they're in the, they're in the refrigerator back here. I just want to make sure you get them after church. I was like, thank you. Thank you for those. She actually used to hook us up all the time with those, and she kept me fed, so thank you. But I don't like when someone says, can we talk later? Yeah, about what? Like, can you, is, is it good or is it bad? At least give me some context. Ugh. There's some people that do it to me a lot. But, okay, let's get serious now. Let's quit joking. What, there's one thing in life that I do not like, and that is living in limbo. Limbo, what's that? Is that the pole that you start high and you do this, and then they lower it, and you do this, and you fall? No, no. Limbo is when something is supposed to happen, but it hasn't happened yet, right? Conversation is supposed to be had, but it hasn't happened yet, and you feel that nervousness inside, and you're like, okay, I just wish this would be over. Maybe you're trusting God. Maybe you have your faith out there for something, and it hasn't happened yet. Living life in limbo. And I, I, don't, I, don't, like, I don't like that feeling. I don't know if some people are like, well, I don't mind that. And it's not so much just like a patience thing, because I, I think sometimes I do really good with patience. Other times I don't. But it's just the whole idea of living in limbo. Like, this thing is just dragging on. Like, this, it could be solved. It could be solved. Come on, let's fix it. Someone sign the paper and let's go. We just moved into a house and sold our house and moved living in limbo living out of boxes hey where's my toothbrush I don't know where's my clean underwear I don't know gosh I still haven't found them guys it's been a week and a half um just kidding I showered this morning um but living in limbo living in limbo what do you do how do you respond how do you respond in a time like that. Most people, they get frustrated. We start saying, God, where are you? <laughs> I thought you told me to do this. Where are you, God? We do that. We fall to unhealthy habits. Everybody's like, <clears throat> amen. <laughs> we get our phone out and we, in limbo, we just scroll and scroll. Oh, there goes two hours. Well, at least I'm two hours further along than I was. We waste time. When we're in limbo, we question, then you question whether or not you heard right from God when you're in limbo. Like, okay, well, hold on, hold on. God, did I, did I hear right from you on this? Was I actually supposed to do this? And you, then you think about that, and then the devil comes along like, no, 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 that, that wasn't God. And you start to, like, not believe it. And you, then you get confused, and then you have this whole cycle where you go back again. But I wanted to encourage you today, because I believe there's a lot of people in here, in one way or another, you're living your life in limbo right now. You are waiting on something. And I got one point for you. I got one solution for you. I remember one time Dr. Dufresne had this guy say to him, Dr. Dufresne, I've been, I've been sinning. I keep going back to this same sin. What should I do? And he goes, stop doing it. <laughs> 
And he said, well, can, I, can, I, can I give you a chapter and verse for it? He's like, no, your chapter and verse is stop doing it. Now, and I'm not saying that for how you respond in limbo today. I'm not saying that. But my one point is very simple. When you're living your life in limbo, I have one way that I react. I trust in God. I trust in God. What do you do when you're waiting? I trust in God. What do you do when you're waiting for that thing to come to pass that you believe, you've been believing God for two years now? I trust in God. I don't have anything else. I have frustration, getting ticked off, treating my spouse in a wrong way, yelling at my employees, treating coworkers bad. I could do that. That's, that's real fun. Or, or I can trust God. Think back. When has he failed you? When has he said, I will do this, and then he didn't do it? Name a time. Name a time. You can't. So when you're living your life in limbo, the only thing that you can do is trust God. And it's not like, well, got another other options. No. What a great thing. What an amazing thing to trust in God. You think your situation issue is so big. He's literally holding the entire universe, which we don't even know where it starts and stops yet. Probably still never will. And you think your, your situation, and I'm not trying to minimize it. Your situation might be a big deal to you. But let's get it in the right perspective. Trust in God. He can handle it. I have four ways, four areas that you can trust, trust in God today. Do you care to know the first one? Let's look at number one, four ways that we can trust, trust in God. Trust in God with your finances and with occupation or your work. Corey Ten Boom, she's been getting a lot of shout outs lately, but I, she's awesome. It's funny. You know how you got the the, the hall bathroom and the little divider with all the books in it. My mom always had a Corey Ten Boom one there. Anyways, uh, just in case you want to know. So I read, I read it a few times. Um, Corey Ten Boom. So we're talking about trusting in God in your work, your finances, your occupation. She said this, worrying. Okay, this has been me. Not anymore. Sometimes it tries to creep up. But this has been me. And I've, I've really worked, asked the Holy Spirit to help me with this. It says, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. How many know when you woke up on Sunday morning, God gave you strength from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. Tomorrow, you don't have that strength yet. You have strength for right now, today, to exert that. And, and every night you, you go to bed, you should be tired. You should have done something that day, but not tomorrow's work. So she says, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today's. It empties today of its strength. I encourage you with, with trusting in God. Take the take the strength that God has provided for you today, and focus on it. Trust God that it'll work out. Try it. Trust God that that thing you're waiting on. When it comes to your finances, maybe you're, you're waiting for a raise. Maybe you're waiting to, to move up a house or a car or to be able to uh, be more generous. Trust God in that thing. You know, as a business owner, and we'll take a drink to that. As a business owner, I have a painting business. Um, I have customers to respond to every day. Calls and texts to get back with. Every day, I have four employees to communicate to and to keep busy. I'm a husband and a dad. That's a whole thing. It's a great thing. All these are great things. I love all of them. I wouldn't do them if I didn't love them. 
I serve here in the local church, and, and, there's, other, and there's other things that I, I get to do. But there's about 17 different schedules that I have to keep. If I tried, which I have, if I tried to figure those things out myself and use today's strength for next week and a month from now, it's no wonder I was exhausted and a grump all the time. But I've learned to cast those cares onto God. I'm learning to say, I'm tired of living frustrated and tired and exhausted and short with my spouse. And my kids say, Dad, you play this game with me? No, I don't want to right now. I, I've said that. Um, I'm, I'm just tired of living that way. So I was like, oh, God, I'm just going to trust you that to take you at your word that you, if you say you're going to take care of it, I'm going to trust you to take care of it. Here's one thing that I've learned. And uh, Michael Manning's dad, Pat Manning, kind of shared this with me recently. He talked to me about with schedules. He said, you know what? It always works out. And I can say that's true for me. I don't know about you, but I worry about stuff. And then once, once it's done, it's like, well, it, it worked out. Doesn't it? Doesn't it, it? All the major things, it works out. And sometimes, you know, it works out really well a lot of times too. It works out, and but you're so concerned about it. But it's worked out every single time for me. Let's look at this, Proverbs 28, 20 out of the NKJV. It says, a faithful man or woman shall or will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. So what should you do when you're trusting God with your finances, work, occupation? Be faithful. Be faithful. Williams, I've been faithful for five years. Go 10. You realize the things that people stood in faith for in the Bible was sometimes... 25 years, 400 years, and we're like, God, it's two weeks. I'm about to die over here. Let's get it into this American faith that we have. Let's get it in, into the right perspective. We don't have to stand in faith long like the people we read about in the Bible. We got it so much better than they did. But a faithful man shall abound with blessings. If you're trusting God, God, how do I trust you? And just be faithful. I don't care. Whatever it is that you're that you've put your hand to. Find yourself to be faithful. My family and I have found ourselves to be faithful. It's not always been easy. When other people were kicking back and relaxing and having a great time and uh, doing what they just wanted to do, we decided to be faithful. It has paid off time and time again, and I don't regret a single bit of remaining faithful. Has it been easy? Not all the time, no. Other times, it's been easy. Be faithful, remain faithful, and you shall and you will abound with blessings. So at the end of every point, I want to lead, us, lead everybody in here with a confession. I want you to say this. Say, I cast my cares about finances on you, God, because you care for me. And then say, I will trust in God with finances, with my occupation, and with my work. In Jesus' name. All right, so we're talking about living in limbo. We're talking about how do you respond, and I'm saying trust in God. It's the only way. So point number two, trust in God with your prodigal sons and daughters. Some of you are believing for that one. You know, maybe they're 30, maybe they're 45, but they might be a way off right now. Maybe they're in your home. Maybe they were in your home. While I'm thinking about that, let me share something with you. I know I'm, I'm 35 on Tuesday, 
I'm young, I have three kids, I'm not a well, far advanced father yet. I have a lot to learn and I have not parented young people in middle school or high school yet, so I can't relate. But what I can relate with is being a youth pastor, sort of partly kind of helping raise decent human beings. Let me tell you this, many young people have graduated high school, many, and most of these young leaders in here could probably give a hearty amen to them living through this, but you go through this funk called adulting. So we're talking about trusting God with prodigal sons and daughters. You go through this thing called adulting, where all of a sudden, instead of mom and dad giving the answers for you, your boss looks at you and say, what are you going to do? And you look around and mom and dad aren't there, and you're like, oh. And it's called adulting. It's this phase. It's not super fun. It's like, oh, it's so, it's so much pressure. Everybody wants an answer from me now. Anybody remember that? I, I remember going through that. I was like, yikes. Like, they want me to move into this apartment and, like, get my own insurance. I don't even know what that is. And, like, but they go through this thing. I have noticed. I've only been in this church for 12 years now. I have noticed and I've watched. Sometimes it takes people about three years to get through this phase. Sometimes five years to get through this phase. And I'm not saying if you're 18, you're ready for adulting, you're about to leave the church. I'm not saying that. I've just seen this. Parents, if you're in here and you have someone that you're, a a son or daughter that you're praying for, Lord, help them. Lord, send them back. Lord, put them in a good church. Just know that that season does end. And they will come to themselves. Living by experience. This guy right here. There's a scripture that you can trust God about and put your faith in. It's Proverbs 22, 6. We've all heard it, but do you believe it? It says, train up a child in the way they should go. He should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You can use your faith for that right there. Train up a child. Did you train them up in the way that they should go? Did you? I would say for most parents in here, it would be yes. Were you perfect? No. Am I, have I been perfect as a dad? Definitely not. I've had to go to my kids and say, I'm sorry, I yelled too loud at you just now. And they'll say, that's okay, daddy. That always makes me feel a lot better, but I still feel like a punk. But train up a child. Have you done that? Yes. Then trust in God that if they are not here right now, and it's not that they have to be here, but maybe they're just off somewhere, not where they should be. Trust in God. That when they're old, they will not depart from it. Trust in God. It's not over. They're not a lost cause. It's not, well, we've, I guess Satan's got them now. They're doomed. Who hasn't lived through a season of, of that adulting? Who hasn't lived through a season where you didn't do some right things? Okay, you, 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 you. Everyone. We've all done some things that we shouldn't have done. Trust God with your prodigal sons and daughters. I'm here today. When I was a prodigal for a while, I was, uh, you know, raised as in a Christian home, being in a church, and I, I went off and did my own thing. I joined the Army. Well, that's a whole story in itself. If you know anybody in the Army, you can kind of put two and two together, what Army people do. I was a goof for a long time, but I had something called a praying mother. And I'm here today, not just because of her, but big time because of her, because a mom that always prayed for me. And every time I'd see her, she'd, she'd love on me. She'd stick a 20 in my hand and say, praying for you. And I'd be like, I'm good, mom. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> She's acting like nothing was wrong. But I'm here today because of a praying mom. So I encourage you, moms, dad, moms and dads and grandparents, don't stop praying for them. Don't stop believing for them. 
what do you do when you're in limbo waiting for that one? You trust in God. What other option? Are you going to have a pity party for the rest of our life? Or is that what we're going to do? That's no fun for nobody. We need you at your best. So trust in God. Trust in God that, that, that he'll send. The, it might, might not even be anybody in this church, but someone else to come along their path and be like, hey, let me have this conversation with you. And they speak a word in season to them. Trust in God. What other options do you have? So let's say this. I cast my cares about my sons and daughters because you care for me. And say, I will trust in God with my sons and daughters. Some of you single people are like, I got no kids. <laughs> It'll help you in the future. So talking about living in limbo and trusting God. Point number three, we're going to trust in God when it comes to our marriage and relationships. When I said that, some husbands and wives, maybe you've been responding up to this point, but you just got real quiet. Because the face that we see right now is not the face at one o'clock when you're at your home today. And the sweet ways that you speak to her or she speaks to him is not what happens when you go home from here. I don't like seeing that, church family. Did I tell you that I'm a youth pastor and that youth tell all? They walk in crying, what's wrong? Oh, you know, mom and dad. And, hmm. and I don't see you on Sunday and say, how are you doing? I know about that situation. I don't... I, <laughs> I try my best to be the same yesterday and today and forever, but what about trusting God in your marriage and with your relationships? Maybe you're a single person and you want to you meet the right person and, and start dating them and then get married. It's, it, I'm not just talking about married people here, but if you feel like you're in limbo with a marriage or what's going on with it, like, are we going to stay together? Are we going to live separated? Like, what's going to happen? Like, should we just wait? Maybe we'll wait until the kids graduate high school so that the divorce won't be that hard on them what about that situation where everything seems to be okay you're living in limbo all through their middle school and high school years and Amos you don't know what it's like you've only been married for 12 years well I have a great marriage so I, I can say that I kind of know what it's like because the moment something happens between me and my wife guess what we do we talk about it we don't lift the rug and I say get the broom sweep it just sweep it under there and we'll, we'll deal with that later and then I wake up even more upset the next morning. And then four years later, I'm just ticked. That's what so many, so many people do. Christian people do in their marriages. Well, we don't talk about things in our marriage. Okay, great. Have fun being divorced. Have fun not having your family, not having your kids, having to explain to them why we don't have Thanksgiving together anymore. We sweep these things under the rug and say, we'll deal with them later. And then you don't. And then one day it explodes. Trust God. In your marriage trust God if you're a single person with your relationships right now man I feel like I've been single my whole life I'm like 67 and I'm still single are you still trusting God are you still trusting God trust is faith are you still using your faith for that person for that spouse or are you checked out? I know this might not apply to everyone, but I do know that this applies to someone. Some of you for, a, for many years have wanted to be a mom or a dad. 
because your mom or your dad weren't there and they bailed on you and you want the chance to right those wrongs, right? And you're a single person and you say, I, I just feel like I've been in limbo for so long. I, I, I want to be a dad. I see other people at church that have kids and I desire that and I, wanna, I want a spouse. Have you used your faith lately for that? Have you trusted in God for that? If you haven't, don't expect the right one to come along. Expect the wrong one, really. Or just nobody in general. Stir your faith up this morning to trust in God again when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your relationships. You know, if you're, if you're in a bad marriage here and you, you just think that it's too far gone, you think like, man, this has just been in limbo too long. Too much, you know, too much water under the bridge, right? You've heard that before. But my pro tip of the day is deal with it quickly. Don't wait. What are you waiting on? Deal with it quickly. When something arises, say, it's not that everybody we have to have a family meeting. It's not that. We did that in my family. I'm so over family meetings. It's just like two hours there, seven hours here. It's like, oh, it's like, um, deal with it quickly. Husbands, say sorry a lot quicker than you do. Ask for forgiveness a lot quicker than you do. My wife still beats me to it. And I, <laughs> I'm always bummed that I didn't say it first. I'm like, gosh, you always say sorry first. She's just awesome. She's always shown a lot of forgiveness to me and a lot of people uh, in her life and my life. Here's another thing. When, it, when you're trusting God in your marriage and relationships, that coworker that knows absolutely nothing that what they're talking about, they say, if he did that to me, I'd be done with him. Say bye, bye to them, just get rid of them. I, I don't need that in my life because I'm going to end up where you are. And that's, you know, on your 12th marriage. And I'm not, I'm not picking on that. I'm just saying, like, why are you taking advice from them? Trust God. Get around people that got a good marriage, that have good relationships in life and say, how did you do that? How did you pray for them? Because you all are perfect together. How did you do that? How did you raise your kids like that? Trust in God. When your life seems in limbo, trust in God. And don't believe, Lord, time, time heals all wounds. You know what heals all wounds? God. Time heals all wounds. Why do you remember 15 years ago what your dad said to you that still bugs you? Time doesn't heal all wounds. God heals all wounds. So go to God. Trust in God. Let him take care of that thing for you. You know, if I just wait for a long time, I'll just forget about it. I don't, no, you won't. Let's look at this. We're talking about trusting in God and with our marriage and relationships. Psalms 37.5 out of NLT. It says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Listen, trust him and he will help you. Some of you feel helpless today in your relationships and in your marriage. And you're sitting by your spouse right now and there's, there's a cold divide between you. And you both know what I'm saying is true you still don't want to do anything about it. Man, you just don't know what they did. I'm a firm believer in restoration, a strong believer in we can make this work, a strong believer in it. I've seen terrible things happen in marriages, and I've seen those people work them out. They're still together, and they're doing great, and they're an example to me. Don't think that it's too far gone. Don't think you just have to give up and throw in the towel. 
Trust in God again. And then next week again. And keep trusting in God. So let's say this together. I cast my cares about marriage and about relationships on you, God, because you care for me. And then say, I will trust in God with my marriage and my relationships. Amen. Do you believe it? The last point. I've been really looking forward to getting to this last point, not because I want to be done, but because this is something that's super, super helped me lately. When you're living life in limbo and you're trying to trust God, trust God, and I'm going to explain this, with justice. Let me, let me explain this. Not justice, but trust God with justice. What happens when a family member or a friend or a boss or a coworker does you wrong? And listen, and you were, and you were legitimately right. Not you think you're right. Not I was gossiping, but I'm still right. No, 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 you're not right if you're doing that. If you're legitimately right and you haven't done anything and you've said sorry and you've tried to mend and they've done wrong to you and they've blasted you and Facebook, who even cares about that? But they talked about you here and they went to the family reunion. There's a, there's a group over there and they're like, you know what they did? You know, blah, 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 blah. And you want to you wanna give them a knuckle sandwich is what you want to do. But something I've, it's something that took me a long time to learn and, a recent, and, I, and I, I, I got to a place where I learned how to do it, but I never knew how to put it in words. And the Holy Spirit a while ago said to me, let God be the God of justice. Let God be the God of justice. Not me, not you, because you'll mess it up. And you think, well, I'm going to go in there guns blazing. They're going to know I'm right. And I'm going to give them a 25-page PowerPoint presentation on how they're wrong, scripture and verse and everything. But what you don't know is they have the exact same thing for you because they think they're right. I'm telling you today, let God be the God of justice. Stop trying to fix it. If you, I'm not talking about if you, oh, they did me, they did me wrong. If you're a terrible employee and you're always taking long on lunch breaks and some of my employees are here right now, they're like, is that me? It's not you. But this doesn't, this doesn't go for you if you're, not living the, if you're not living right, if you're not doing the right thing. This goes for the ones that have tried to mend, these ones that have tried to, keep their mouth shut and tried to do the right thing and said sorry and, and please forgive me and, and you didn't get that in return. But this has brought great freedom to me over the last few years. Trust in God that he will vindicate you. That's a, something that he said he would do. Let him be the God of justice. Let me tell you though, justice won't be the way you think it'll be though. Typically, the ones that hurt us are the ones close to us, correct? Not some random person. Someone that flips me off in the Kroger parking lot because I barely pulled out in front of them. I'm just like, hey, what's your deal? And I'm like, I don't go home and like think about that for weeks. I'm just kind of mad for a second. You don't flip them off. You don't like return the favor, but don't. I'm talking about it's usually, usually the ones close to you, family members. So everyone, let's just say it's everyone's family is crazy. There's just some that are extra crazy. I'm an extra crazy um, kind of guy. Not me and my wife. No, no, not us. I'm just saying like the family I came from, we're just a little extra crazy. And some of you are like, amen, brother. We're a, we're a double portion of that for sure. <laughs> but my justice, the way I wish it would happen is like, Lord, 
make their hair fall off and their toenails turn green. That's what I want. Make one hand swell up and get bigger than the other. Triple the nose size, Lord. Make the ear, uh, the hair in their ears grow so far out of drags the ground. That's what I want. So everybody will know. So that they will, people will say stuff to them. That's the justice I want. And I know, you know, I know everybody can agree with me on that because that's also what you want. Repay them, Lord. Take good care of them. Actually, don't take good care of them. But here's the thing. We're talking about letting God be the God of justice, but if it's the ones close to us that hurt us, we don't want, you don't want to hurt them. I mean, you kind of do, but you don't want to. They're the ones you love. You don't want to see their lives collapse and fall apart. You don't want that. So what do you do? You trust God to let God be the God of justice. That he will make things right. To me, that's what justice is. It's making things right. Let's look at Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no, and we've heard this, but let's read further in this. No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue, listen here, talking about people, maybe you've been done wrong. And everybody has a few of those probably. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. Listen to this. This peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. What is their vindication? Their vindication is peace. So if someone's done you wrong and you've, you've tried to mend things, if you've tried to make things right, if someone spoke, maybe they, they spoke something over you and said something real hurtful and then they just bailed and you didn't even have a chance to respond and you can't reach them anymore and you're still stuck with that. The vindication that comes from God is peace, righteousness, security, and listen, triumph over opposition. They think they won by giving you a little slow roast and then just walking out. They think they won, but it says triumph over opposition if you let God be the God of justice. Someone really close to me in my life one time, my wife and I, we just moved from a house on Grant Line Road. Someone very close to me in my life one time that wanted to control a lot of what I did in my life, who I married, where I went to church at, actually everything, just all of it. When I went to buy this house, I said, I, I think I want to buy this house, and I was asking their opinion, and they were really mad for some reason. I don't know, don't know why. They said, this is the worst investment in the history. This is word for word. I still remember it. It doesn't, you might think, while well, I'm saying this, it still bugs me. It doesn't. It doesn't bug me because I'm letting God be the God of justice. They said, this is the worst investment in the history of investment. And they turned around and they said, you will never sell this house. And they left. And it's been about 10 years since I've seen that person. And like you, you still remember that thing that they said. You still remember how it made you feel. And you didn't even have a chance to say anything back. Let me share a quick story where we are now. Well, that bad investment in that house that would never sell actually sold for three times. For three times what we bought it for, allowing us to purchase the house of our dreams that we are now living in. That's justice. 
But what I wanted to do is grab him by the shirt collar now, call him up and say, no, you are wrong, actually. You thought you knew something that I didn't know. You thought you heard from the Lord, thus saith the Lord. You thought you were right. And you didn't even give me a chance to respond and you bailed on me. And now I'm living in a place of peace, security. We're calling our new property Goshen, by the way. It's the place right, side of, right outside of Egypt that when all the storms came, not a single one touched them. So we're deeming it. We're calling it. I'm getting a roadside man called Goshen. Hello. And it, that's where we're going to live. If you hear me referring to that, it's not Goshen, Kentucky. It's Goshen, New Albany, Indiana. But I wanted my justice one to grab and say, you didn't know what you were talking about. You came at me like that, and then you bailed, and you didn't even give me a chance, and I, I started to believe that for a long time. Man, maybe this was a bad place to, but we sold it for three times what it was worth. We had people in our life, a mother and a father-in-law that helped us so much, put equity into that house to transform this house. It said, the scripture said, triumph over opposition. If I would have gone and tried to fix it myself, I might not be in Goshen now. I might be in Egypt. On Great Line Road still. Where I got 15 feet in the front yard and fight breaks out over there. Car flips upside down over here all the time. I'm like, Lord, deliver me. But he has. And I'm excited about it. But I've come to tell you, if someone has said something to you like that and didn't even give you a chance to respond, if you say, you know what? This is what I want to say, but I would mess it up. God, I feel like this is in limbo. I'm going to trust you that you are the God of justice and that you are going to make it right. Let me tell you this. Don't think about how he's going to take care of that situation with him. It has nothing to, actually, you know, it's gossip, actually. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. Don't give, hey, God, uh, kid you, make their eyelashes fall out. You give them zits all over their face. Strike them down. That's not really coming from a place of love, actually. God said, vengeance is mine, mine, not mine. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He says, let me vindicate you, not you vindicate you. Well, you I'm right. Well, you might be. Maybe you think you're right and you're not, but you might be right. Maybe, maybe you are. It has brought so much freedom to my life. Let God be the God of justice. Let God be the God of justice. It takes a weight off of you. Well, I just feel like if I get with them, I have to have this conversation, and we have to say it. I have to say it just right. Oh, I'm, I better not forget that point because that'll really roast them good. Uh, everybody's laughing because they're like, "Yeah, that's how I feel too." I've been saying this to a few people lately. I have some friends that are going through this process of of, of um, adopting, and the system's just jacked around with them, and 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 drug on way too long just way too long for no reason it's cost them money every month until this process is finalized and I just I was talking to those people I said you know what let God be the God of justice trust him that he will give you that triumph over opposition trust him and if and here's the thing it's a fixed fight if he said he's going to do it he's going to do it but it's important how you respond in that time it's important how you respond because how you respond is also how you will receive from God Let me read this last verse, and then I want to actually pray for a few people after this. It's Psalms 37, 3 through 6. And this is, this right here, 
it sums up everything that we just talked about. Out of the passion, it says, keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. So if you want that vindication, keep trusting the Lord, do what's right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will dwell in the land of Goshen, feasting on his faithfulness. Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh and he will give you what you desire the most. Listen to this. Let me just interject something. I recently talked about having good friends. Thank you, Big Hoss, Evan Stumler. He sent me this scripture, and it's, I screenshot it and put it on the background of my phone. It says this. Give God the right to direct your life. Give God, not you, not anybody else. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find out that he pulled it off perfectly. He will appear as your righteousness, as sure as the dawning of a new day. He will manifest as your justice, as sure as, and strong as the noonday sun. How many of you see the sun come up and you look in the sky and you can see it at noon? That consistent, faithful sun? You can expect the same thing from God with his faithfulness towards you, with his justice towards you. It's no different. It's cool how he put all these reminders in the sky for us to remember him by. But it says, give God the right to direct your life, your marriage. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. We talked about worrying and using today's strength for tomorrow. But if you let God take it, I told you it always works out. You'll find out that he pulled it off perfectly. So when you're living life in limbo, and I know everyone in here has something, maybe some big things that you're waiting for with your work, with finances, something, you're, a bill you need to pay, a promotion you're waiting for that you're qualified to get, marriage relationships, a prodigal son or daughter, or someone just did you wrong and it's just, it just bugs you and you're like, God, could you, could you repay me somehow? It's not stiff arming God and saying, do this. It's just, God, could you, could you make this up to me? And that's how I felt. I felt like, God, I've, I've been done wrong and I, I haven't, in certain situations, I've tried to do nothing but love people and care for people, and I still, you know, I still talked about me. God, can you make this right? And I don't care how you figure it out. Can, can I be repaid for that? And that's the conversation that I have, and he has every time. He's paid me back in peace, triumph over op opposition, safety and security. I have so much peace in my life right now, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and there's been a time in my life when I didn't have that. It's not fun. But I'm finished, and I have one thing I want to pray for. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.